Today's scripture lesson is from Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them. For then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be praised by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your alms may be done in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will, be, will reward you. And whenever you pray, do not, be, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, so that they may be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard, like, heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then in this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we owe as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Why can I not remember? 
I was so focused on the eyes watching me, I couldn't even control my own thoughts. I looked at the teacher again, and she had a look on her face like she could see inside my head. I was sure I was going to be penalized for how long I was taking. It was definitely longer than any other student. Despite this experience of stage fright and increased anxiety, something good came out of it all. My family and I were able to identify the fact that I have severe anxiety. Today, I still have anxiety, and I'm learning how to better cope with it. However, this means my golf tournaments, my high school exams, public speaking, and so on are still difficult. Activities that apply small amounts of pressure to others can be crippling for me. And in situations like the math test it was, I had to retake the math test. The night before, my dad walked in my room and told me, Helen, remember your to say your prayers. I almost protested because that was the last thing on my mind. I never knew how to start a prayer or even what God wanted me to, to hear me say, but I did know one prayer, one that I already memorized, the Lord's Prayer. I looked up at my ceiling, which glowed with tiny adhesive stars. I love those little things on my ceiling because I can look at something beautiful and feel at peace right before I go to bed. That night and most nights, I look up at the stars on my ceiling and say the Lord's Prayer. Jesus often spoke about the importance of prayer for developing a relationship with God. When asked by his followers on how they should pray, he taught them, his disciples, to say the Lord's Prayer. Prayer is everywhere. I would say that prayer is a main concept of every discussion for many Sunday schools, Wednesday night church, and even youth groups. And you can pray in many different ways. Over breakfast, in the car, on the way to the gym, before a big performance, or even in the shower. No matter how you pray, it's also great to have something to remind you to pray. And through having constant conversation with God by praying, you can remind him that he's always with you. For me, my reminder to start a conversation with God is those little indoor tiny adhesive stars. The Bible emphasizes in Matthew, you are able to pray in your room and wherever or however you like. In chapter 6, verses 6 through 7, it says, When you go into a room alone and close the door, pray to your father in private. He knows what is done in private and he will reward you. When you pray, don't talk in and on as people who don't know, who don't know God. They think God likes to hear long prayers. Don't be like them. Your Father knows what you need before you ask. It doesn't matter how long or how short the prayer is. I always feel like everything needs to be said. I have been raised in a Christian family and I grew up in IPC. However, Despite having a strong foundation of faith, I have never been sure of my relationship with God because I struggle with the concept and understanding of a prayer. It has made me insecure about my faith and ability to perform properly. 
Honestly, if someone doesn't struggle with their relationship with God, they might not be telling the truth. Faith has always been incredibly important to me. And as I became more involved with the church, I realized just how central to my life it should be. My faith has helped me in so many ways. Growing in prayer and my relationship with the Lord has been one of many outlets to help ease my anxiety. And this has proven great importance to me. I have found that prayer has been a key factor in overcoming my anxiety. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, verse 5 through 6, With all your heart, you must trust the Lord and not your own judgment. Always let him lead you, and he'll clear the road for you to follow him. I relied on my prayers to help soothe the pain anxiety carried with it. I trusted the Lord with my heart, and he knew he was there to save me. Prayer is so important because it's an opportunity to spend time with God and to really understand the heart of God. In John, verse, in John 15, verse 15, Jesus says, He no longer calls us his servants, but calls us his friends. Talking with God develops a deeper relationship with him. We turn to prayer because it's the most personal way to experience God, to encounter him and to grow in the knowledge of him. Prayer often begins with praise, acknowledging who God is and responding in worship. The more I focus on his character and compassion, the more I want to glorify him for who he is. Overall, the Lord's prayer and prayer has been the necessity to prove someone like me who can overcome overwhelming activities such as like speaking of everyone in this room. Thank you. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, my name is Clark Smith, and I'm a senior at Mount Brick High School. And I would love to continue to talk about the Lord's Prayer. When most people think of the Lord's Prayer and many facets of Christianity, it becomes a religion of going through the motions and checking off simple boxes. This is not how God meant for his people to act and behave. In order to have a true relationship with God, you must make an effort to deepen your faith. For much of my life, I have struggled to deepen my, deepen my faith in God through prayer. I've always thought of it as a list of requirements and things I have to say in order for God to listen to me. It's been about saying things such as, God, forgive me of my sins. God, please help me do well in this big event coming up. Or God, please help me sleep well. I've also gotten into the habit of praying during the same times of the day, such as when I wake up, before a big test, before I eat, before I sleep, and, and other things. All this is good, but this is only a part of prayer. The Lord's Prayer is not the way that every Christian is required to pray, but rather a simple outline on things Christians should say during prayer. Here is how I view it. The first part where it says, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Is saying to praise God, thank him for everything he's done in your life and in the life of others, and put your ultimate trust in him for his future plans of you. The second part, where it says, give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, 
is saying to help God's spirit live in you so you can live a life that reflects him. Help God forgive us, help us repent, and help us forgive others. And the third part where it says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, is asking for strength from God to help us walk in a path that reflects him and to not stray away from him in times of trial and adversity. Finally, when it says, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, is meant to thank God for giving us the opportunity to have eternal life through Jesus Christ and for his unconditional love for us and every single person on earth. Then end by simply saying amen. Through the Lord's Prayer, there are four parts of it that come out in my opinion. Praise, forgiveness, strength, and thanksgiving. Praise for his name and everything that he has given us. Forgiveness for our sins and the sins of others. Strength to live in his name every single day and not to fall victim to sin. And to thank him for his love for us and the punishment his son Jesus took on the cross for our sins. Prayer is also not a thing that we have to do in a certain way or at a certain time. Nowhere in the Bible does it say to do things during prayer, such as close your eyes, put your hands together, hold your hands with someone, sit or stand. These are all things that, that have just become a custom and habit in the life of most Christians. I want everyone here to know that you can pray in any way and at any time you wish to, whether it be while you're staring at a computer screen or phone, walking down the street, driving in your car, or, or even listening to the sermon right now. As long as you're making effort to have a conversation with the Lord, it can be considered a prayer. Like prayer, many parts of Christianity can be seen simply, like simply just checking off boxes and a list of things that everyone has to do to be a good Christian. For example, many people think that in order to know God and to be a good Christian, you have to attend church every Sunday. This is simply not true, as I know many people who are good Christians that do not attend church every Sunday. Once again, it does not say anywhere in the Bible that you must attend church to be a good Christian. In my life, I've found that you can learn about God in many other places, such as a Bible study, a youth group, a conversation with a friend, or a weekend retreat. These are all considered churches in God's mind. May I remind you that Christianity is the only religion where you don't have to work our way to heaven. Romans 10, 9 through 10 says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. God does not want you to see Christianity as simply checking off boxes because Jesus has already paid the price for all our sins on the cross and has been raised to life so that we can go to heaven once we truly believe in him. If you incorporate praise, forgiveness, strength, and thanksgiving into your daily walk with Christ and your life of prayer, your relationship with God will not waver. Thank you. and I'm also a senior at Mount Brook High School. As some of you might know, my high school's basketball team recently became 6A state champions, which was very exciting for the seniors. I, along with many of my classmates, was able to attend the game. We all showed up, decked out in neon, ready to cheer on the team. 
For four straight quarters, we yelled and chanted, never, never letting up until the very end. In all honesty, I'm sure we were pretty obnoxious, but that's what a student section is for. For me, the state championship game was a reminder of what senior year is supposed to be all about. My classmates and I have not had a normal senior year, so it was nice to be able to celebrate ourselves, to be loud, to be obnoxious. But despite all of that excitement, the basketball team showed sportsmanship and remained humble, which is what I want to focus on today. Matthew 6 tells us about humility and how it relates to our relationship with God. There are two verses that tell us to come to God with the spirit of humble dependence. I quote, So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. And, But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Think about those two passages. What do they tell us? They tell us to be humble. They tell us to be dependent on God. They tell us to not give or pray just to be seen by others. The way I look at humility is in the very way the STAIR students who I work with make me feel. As many of you know, the STAIR program at our church is a tutoring program for underprivileged elementary school students in the Birmingham area. I am humbled by my students. They remind me that I am not entitled to everything that I may want. They remind me to find joy in my relationships with them and with others. For Brian, my student from last school year, a simple red smiley face sticker can make his whole day better. Mia, my current virtual student, can talk for an entire hour about dogs or unicorns and never get bored. They find joy in the little things. They are undeniably themselves, and that is humbling. In the Lord's Prayer, we are told to pray, give us today our daily bread. Don't pray for a new car, a better job, or material things. I am reminded by our passages from Matthew and this passage from the Lord's Prayer that we ask for our daily sustenance from a perspective of humility. Humility is lacking in so many places in today's world. It is often lacking in my life, and our lesson today is a reminder of its importance. As you leave here, go out into the world with an attitude of submission and live humbly. Thank you. Good evening. I am so glad to be here in front of y'all to talk about the Lord's Prayer. What I wanted to do is I wanted to dig deep, more specifically on the line that I struggle with. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So what I do when I wonder about something is I just candidly type into Google, as I do most things though, and the word that came up was penitence. I didn't know what it meant, so I typed into Google. And that, the definition that came up was the action of feeling or showing sorrow and regret for having done wrong. Being able to forgive is one of the many ways we were created in the image of God, in my opinion. Yet forgiveness is something that can be so tough in certain situations. I tried to figure out why it is so tough, and yet such an important piece of Christianity but sometimes people may not realize that the confession of your sins is a step that everyone can take on the road to being a better Christian. Oftentimes, not forgiving can lead to more resentment, 
when just one could simply forgive. A perfect quote that I found was by Louis Semedes. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that prisoner was you. That quote is very short, yet very powerful in my opinion. It makes perfect sense to me. You are the prisoner because you're the one holding resentment or distrust or just negative feelings in general. When I read this quote, I realized that I do have some forgiving to do and that maybe it is just time to move on from certain parts of my life. I tried to dig deeper. I wanted to tell a story that was not too personal, but then it made me realize how personal forgiving can be for me, maybe you. How personal, yet simple, forgiveness, the smallest act of forgiveness can be. There's an amazing parable to go along with forgiveness, the woman at the well. Most of you may have heard it, but to give a brief summary, a woman who lived her life in sin was getting water at the well on a hot day when Jesus came to her. There in the presence of Jesus, she confessed her sins and was able to wash away her sins with the living grace of water. Overall, she went to the well to quench her thirst and she left with her soul completely cleansed. Anyone, and well, everyone, can and should play either role in this story. Either be the one to offer someone forgiveness, or maybe be the one to ask for forgiveness. This doesn't have to be asking forgiveness from God. This can be asking forgiveness from somebody else. Maybe a friend. Maybe a family member. Maybe a, a, a parent. Maybe even your own child. Another amazing story that I found involved the courtroom. In 2019, Amber Gurrier was found guilty of murder in the first degree. Just after the verdict was given, the, the brother of the victim asked the judge if he could give Amber a hug. The judge allowed. He hugged her and he also told her, I love you and I'm, I love you as a person and I do not wish anything bad upon you. Sometimes grace is not the easiest thing to give, but at the darkest times, it can mean the most. So you might ask, what is the point I'm trying to make here? Forgive everyone? Ask for more forgiveness? No, I want everyone to understand that forgiveness is not easy. It is one of the many reasons we are not perfect. One of the many things we can improve on as Christians. But the final thing I want to leave you all with is I want each and every one of you to think of one thing you can ask for forgiveness for. This may be either from God or someone else. And one thing you can give forgiveness for. God bless you all.